Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. Unfortunately, not joined by Bazooka Joe, Joe Valtellini. However, I am in Phoenix, Arizona. I had a, a habanero ramen for lunch, and whew, that's a spicy meatball, but I'm not going to let that stop me from breaking down UFC 274, which is coming up in just a couple of days from Phoenix, Arizona, and I can't wait for this particular card. I think it's an awesome card. I think that really Gaethje versus Oliveira is one of the best fights you can make in terms of action, in terms of, you know, can't miss. This, this is about as good as it gets. You look at two of the best action fighters of our time, one of the best finishers, I mean the best finisher in UFC history in Charles Oliveira, and then Justin Gaethje, what he brings to the table, never a boring fight. So very eager to see how this goes. It's a very interesting matchup. In, in terms of matchups for Charles Oliveira, I think this might be his toughest one toughest stylistic matchup I think that if he is able to get it to the ground I think it could be a very early night for Justin Gaethje however for as long as this fight's on the feet Oliveira is going to be in trouble and I think that when you look at this matchup you look at Oliveira against the others at lightweight none of them have really had that show-stopping power that Justin Gaethje has and I think that that's going to be the biggest threat to Charles Oliveira and his championship however as we've seen with Charles Oliveira he's actually favored this time He's been the underdog in the past and has come through with flying colors. So definitely don't expect Charles Oliveira to be any different from his previous fights. I mean, this is a guy who the other fighters, as much as they've tried, have not been able to get out of there because he's he's a different fighter now. He's not the same fighter that he used to be. He's shown so much more heart, guts, determination than we had seen from him earlier in his career. And he was always an exciting fighter, always a very fun fighter. And always a dangerous fighter. But I think he's his most dangerous right now. He's in his prime. He's got that championship and looking to defend it in Justin Gaethje's backyard, Arizona. Originally, this card was supposed to take place in Rio de Janeiro. Ended up getting moved to Phoenix. And now, advantage Gaethje in terms of the home court advantage, so to speak. But I don't think that, that will phase Charles Oliveira one way or another. This is going to be an amazing fight. And you've got a second title shot on the card with... Carla Esparza looking to regain the UFC Strawway Championship that she had earned by defeating Rosnami Yunus, the current champion, in the first place. And this division has kind of come full circle. I spoke to both Carla and Rose about how I felt like this was kind of the season finale. You, you look at the story and how it built up and how the first fight was these two. And Carla fell a little bit, fell off. Rose picked up from where she left off, got her momentum back now a two-time champion in her own right. And now the two of them meet in a rematch of the first ever Strawway Championship. So very exciting times in that division. And then, of course, I think there's what people would call the people's main event between Michael Chandler and Tony Ferguson. Very fun fight. And I, I, I can't wait to see how that one goes down. I want to see what Tony Ferguson has left. I think a lot of people are eager to see how Tony Ferguson will look against Michael Chandler. Another tough test for El Kukui. Later on in the show, you'll hear some of the interviews that I conducted in Phoenix, Arizona. I spoke to Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje, Rose Namajunas, Carla Esparza, Michael Chandler, and Tony Ferguson. I got to speak with all six of the 
fighters involved in the top three fights on the card. And uh, I can't wait for you to hear these interviews. They were a lot of fun to do. I love being face-to-face with these fighters. It's been a long time that I've been able to do interviews like this. A sit-down, face-to-face. It was a lot of fun waking up this morning and thinking about how I was going to be looking the fighters in the eye for the first time since last November and really getting to pick their brains about these matchups and everything under the sun. Really had a great time speaking with all of them. So I'm sure you will enjoy these interviews. You'll hear them at the end of the show. I'm not doing an interview edition this week, just one long show. If you're listening to this on TSN Radio in Ottawa or Toronto, you can download the podcast and hear those interviews. But for now, let's dive into the card itself. As I mentioned off the top, the main event, Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. Fantastic fight that really could go a variety of ways. This is a very volatile fight. Who knows what's going to happen here? A very interesting matchup. I did my picks for TSN Edge. I couldn't pick a side here. I think this is a, a very, very close matchup. The one thing I did pick was at minus 365, fight doesn't start round five. I'm fairly confident in that pick. Fairly confident in that pick. I actually parlayed that with the bout between Ferguson and Chandler going over one and a half rounds. I don't see that being an early fight. I think that fight goes the distance, if anything. Tony Ferguson, if nothing else, has proven how durable he is. You know, he got stopped by Justin Gaethje late in that fight, but look at his performances against Benil Dariush. Charles Oliveira, they couldn't get him out of there. The, the UFC's most proficient finisher couldn't get Tony Ferguson out of there. And he tried. Oh, he tried. He got that arm bar on him and was bending his arm all kinds of different directions, and Tony Ferguson hung in there. So this is going to be uh, an excellent night of fights. Again, with Gaethje and Oliveira, I, just, I, I can see this fight going so many different ways, and I believe that... While I, I think the odds are correct, I think that Charles should be favored here. And I think that Charles has far more ways to win this fight. That primary weapon of Gaethje, that fighting style of Gaethje, I think can give Oliveira some problems. If I had to make a straight-up prediction, I probably would say that Oliveira is going to find a sub in one of the first two rounds. If Justin Gaethje lets his guard down at any point in time. But I also think on the feet, Charles Oliveira is not going to be fish out of water. Charles Oliveira has shown a, a massive improvement in his striking over the, over the last couple of years. Was mostly a submission guy early on. And of course still is a submission guy. But he's shown that he's got hands. A lot of KO victories of late. So this fight, again, I, this is the fight I'm most looking forward to this year. If you were to ask me, you could only watch one fight in 2022. It would be Gaethje versus Oliveira. You know, a lot of people would say Francis versus John Jones. There's all, there's all kinds of different things you could throw out there. But of the two fighters that are active right now in the UFC, that I think will provide the most guaranteed excitement, the most competitive fight, the, I think this is it. I think this is it. I can't wait for it. I'm so amped up to see how this one goes down. I'll have butterflies when that music hits for the main event. That's how excited I am for this fight. And that, that doesn't happen to me, you know, every fight card. That's a once-in-a-blue-moon type thing. Esparza versus Nami Yunus. Nami Yunus, minus 220 favorite. I actually think she should be a bigger, bigger favorite, honestly. Because where does she lose this fight? Over the course of five rounds, is, is Carla Esparza going to be able to smother her? I don't think Carla Esparza is going to be able to submit this version of Rose Nami Yunus. Definitely don't think she's going to be able to knock out or get a TKO against this version of Rose Nami Yunus. So how does she win the fight? Is she going to be able to hold Rose down for five rounds? Without Rose being able to come up with a submission, get up get it back on the feet. 
I think Rose is so dangerous at this stage in her career. Entering her prime, only 29 years of, old, of age, as far as the 35, these are two completely different fighters. I think Rose Namunas has a massive advantage in this fight. And hey, if I'm wrong, I mean, more power to Carla Esparza to prove that she still has what it takes to be a champion in the UFC. She proved that in the very first strawweight championship bout, but I think this time around, it's going to be a little bit different. I think that Rose just has so many advantages. I think she has advantages on the feet. Uh, I think, the, of course, the wrestling advantage goes to Esparza, but if you take Namajunas down, she's got such an arsenal that she can attack with. And that's why... For one of my TSN Edge picks, I took Rose by submission, plus 500. I think those, those are fantastic odds for a fight that Carla Esparza is going to do whatever she can to try to get to the ground. Rose, I think, has so many different things that she can throw at Carla Esparza. So many different looks. So that's how I think that one goes. I think that Rose should be a bigger... I think she should be minus 300. And it's no disrespect to Carla Esparza. I think she's a great fighter, but... I just think you have to look at the matchup here. And 22-year-old Rose Namajunas, who would have been the big, the uh, youngest champion in UFC history had she been able to defeat Carla Esparza in that first fight, was a very, very raw talent. I think it was only her fourth official fight. Something along those lines. So this is going to be a very interesting matchup, but I, I just think that Namajunas has so many more advantages. And then you've got Michael Chandler, minus 385, Tony Ferguson, plus 290. I think the odds are a little bit long here for Michael Chandler, but that said, I don't know how Tony Ferguson wins. Could he win a decision? That's probably his best path. Could he snatch up a Darce if Michael Chandler tries to wrestle? It's possible. I think that Chandler, of course, is the rightful favorite, but I like the over one and a half rounds in this one. It's only like minus 160, somewhere in that range. I think this fight does go over one and a half rounds. I think that it's a, a fight that I believe will probably go to a decision. I think... Tony Ferguson has shown that, if nothing else, he's durable. And Michael Chandler, <laughs> equally durable. I mean, he's, he's also a guy that's very difficult to get out of there. So I'm, I, I'm eager to see how this one goes. Because I, I, I want to see how much Tony Ferguson has left in the tank. If Tony Ferguson gets a win here, talk about a change of fortunes in his career. He's lost three in a row to three of the toughest guys in the division. Benil Darius, Charles Oliveira, Justin Gaethje. I mean, two of those guys are fighting for the championship. Benil was one win away from fighting for the championship, but he unfortunately got injured. But, you know, is Chandler as good as those three guys? I'm not sure he is. I mean, we've seen him lose to two of them already against Benil Darius. That's actually a matchup I would love to see down the line is Chandler against Darius. That's a fun one. I think that would be a great action fight. Shogun is on the card. He's plus 205. Ovin St. Preux. Minus 260. I say Shogun because when I was working at a radio station, probably at this point in time, 12, 13 years ago, I produced the, uh, the MMA show with Mauro Ronello. And that's how Mauro pronounced it. And Mauro, of course, called Fights for Pride Fighting Championship. So I'm going to have to go with Mauro's pronunciation. Shogun. Plus 205, Ovin St. Preux, minus 260. I, I think these odds are long again. I think that Hua has a shot here. I like the Hua by, by decision prop if you want some value, but I would probably lean OSP. But, but I don't know. I, you know. I've seen Shogun walking around the hotel, and he's looked good. But man, I mean, when he, when he walks into a room, it's like you're in the, you're in the presence of a legend. 
I saw him a couple times today. It's just like, wow, you, you know, you just, you, it radiates from him. Like that's, that's Mauricio, Mauricio Shogun Hua when he walks into a room. That's all you're thinking about. Chaos Williams, minus 128. Randy Brown, plus 104. I like the Randy Brown side here. I, I like the submission prop for him at plus 550. I think that is live. But uh, I, I like the underdog here. I, I think that unless Chaos Williams is able to knock him out, I think that Brown is a more well-rounded fighter and can win this fight in a variety of ways. This is a, that's a really interesting matchup. I, I can see why it's close to even money. Chaos Williams minus 128. Randy Brown plus 104 from our friends at FanDuel Canada. Eager to see how this one goes. This is, this is a very, very close contest. But I, I'm leaning with the underdog. Norma Dumont minus 250. Macy, Ch- Macy Chazon plus 200, plus 198 on FanDuel. And I think those odds are the best you can get her at. If, if you like Macy, you know, go to FanDuel because they've got, they've got her at almost plus 200, whereas everybody else has, has her in about the plus 180 range. This is a really interesting fight because, you know, Macy, to me, looked like a great prospect. And I like that she's fighting at 45. But she seems to have lost some of that luster. Whereas Dumont, at 45, which is where she should be, is... You know, has looked like a top fighter. She made easy work of Aspen Ladd. I'm I'm excited to see how this one goes because I think that both both of these girls are very very tough. The problem is, what does it mean? I mean, the division right now is at a, a complete and utter standstill while Amanda Nunes is off pursuing retaining the or regaining rather the bantamweight title. So, what does this fight mean? I mean, they could get it. the winner of this fight very well could be next in line for. The featherweight championship, but that's mostly just because there's a lack of bodies. I do like that Macy's fighting at this weight class, though. I think that it's uh, it's a better fit for her, and she won the Ultimate Fighter at this weight class. Andre Fialio, quick turnaround, minus four hundred against Cameron Van Camp, who's plus three hundred. I understand why the line is this wide, but you know Fialio just fought. Very tough guy, though. Has looked very good in his UFC tenure. I, I don't think people expected him to look this good. And I think he's he's performed above expectation, which is great for him. He's a heavy hitter. Looked really good in his uh, last fight against Miguel Baeza. Was hurt early, bounced back. Finishes Baeza at the end of the first round. Looked good against Michelle Pereira as well. I mean, he just got out-volumed. But it was a short-notice assignment against a really tough guy. Brandon Royval, minus 265. Matt Chanel, plus 210. I like Royval here. I think Royval can win this fight wherever it goes. This fight's been rescheduled. Nationale's a fun fighter to watch, though. I enjoy watching him fight. However, I just think Royval has a lot of advantages here. And I think that he wants to have another big performance. He hasn't in a while. Blagoje Ivanov, minus 160. Marcos Rogerio, plus 130. I think that uh, Blagoje is very undervalued here. I'm not sure how Rogerio wins this fight because Rogerio's best bets are winning by submission, knockout, but he often gets tired out, and if anybody's going to tire him out, Bogoyevanov is that guy. I mean, Bogoyevanov is a very difficult matchup for anybody at the heavyweight division. I think that he's someone who uh, I would side with here. I, I like Bogoy a lot here. 
Francisco Trinaldo minus 114. Danny Roberts minus 106. Uh, that the line basically says, "Oh, this is a close fight." Uh, I just think people are waiting for Trinaldo to eventually fall off a cliff and and be washed up, but it just hasn't happened. This guy's like an ageless wonder; keeps looking good. Tough matchup for everybody, but as he gets older, you got to think somebody like a Danny Roberts could beat him. I got to say, the the undercard of this event, everything before the main card. Not, it leaves a lot to be desired. The Roy Valchanel fight, fantastic. Chason versus Dumont, good fight. Cass Williams, Randy Brown, solid fight. That might be on the main card, actually. I think one of those two fights is on the main card. But outside of that, it's it's hard for me to even pick, pick who's going to win these fights. Tracy Cortez versus Melissa Gatto. I feel like we haven't seen enough of either of them to really have a good read on this. CJ Vergara, Clayton Rodriguez, again, newcomers. Hard to, hard to fi- figure it out. Godinez versus Carnalosi. I like Godinez here. I think that Godinez is going to use her wrestling to her, her advantage, get Carnalosi down, and make it, make it a tough night for her. I was even looking at the under. Under 2.5 is plus 225. I think we could see a finish in this one. But it's nothing I would recommend. Recommending unders in women's strawweight fights is uh, not, a, not a good way to make money. Fernie Garcia, minus 154. Journey Newsom, plus 126. I've seen Journey walking around the hotel a little bit. He uh, looks like he's in good shape. But again, I, I don't really know what to make of this fight. It's, it's not one that I would be comfortable taking. So I'm going to pass on uh, a lot of these different opportunities. My TSN edge picks will be out on Thursday night. So you can check those out then. Tomorrow, Friday, I'll be interviewing UFC President Dana White. Lots to talk about leading up to this particular card. Looking forward to speaking with him. I'm also going to be on with Jay Onright on uh, tonight's Sports Center, so looking forward to that as well. Hopefully, uh, you're listening to this on Thursday, but you might not be. Probably going to be listening to it on Friday, in all honesty. So, I was on TSN Sports Center with Jay Onright. You can check that out on tsn.ca. All my interviews can be found at tsn.ca slash UFC, so uh, make sure you check that out. Some news. And notes from this past week, Volkanovski Holloway. It looks like the trilogy fight is going to happen at International Fight Week. I was kind of expecting this. I thought that it would make a lot of sense for Volkanovski to turn it around quickly. Barely took any damage against the Korean zombie. Holloway looked like he was ready to be a backup for that fight. So he should be healthy. It looks like Kamaru Usman has had a bit of a... Either a hiccup in his recovery or didn't recover as quickly as the UFC would have liked him to. Or thought he would. And uh, now his, his fight I haven't heard anything about lately. I don't know when that's going to happen. It could be August, September, who knows. There was a bit of a leak. Ryan Clark did an interview with Dana White for his show. And he did it, they did it shooting with the, the war room matchups as a backdrop. So everybody kind of saw what the UFC was working on. Working on Cannoneer versus Israel Adesanya. Which uh, Ariel Hawani said yesterday was... You know, about a signature away from being done. That's probably going to be on that International Fight Week card as well. But the big one for International Fight Week that really turned some heads was Hamzat Shemaev against Nate Diaz. I'm just curious what the line for that's going to be. It's going to be like minus 2,500? Like, what, what would you set the line? How much would you need to get back on, on Nate Diaz for you to bet on him against Hamzat Shemaev? It's going to have to be a hefty number. I think it opens at least at minus 800 for Shemaev. 
And that's not to disrespect Nate Diaz, but I mean, the trajectories of their careers are pretty, you know, apparent at this stage. But hey, I mean, if Diaz pulls out that upset, that will be a, just a total rocket ship. Eager to see how that one goes. And then also on that board was July 30th, Stipe versus John Jones. That's what they're looking at for that date. Again, these fights are all in the works. I don't think I don't know how many of them are actually done, but wouldn't that be a nice month of July? Three title fights: Shemaya versus Nate Diaz, John Jones making his heavyweight debut. What more could you ask for? Some news out of the PFL today: welterweight division. Ray Cooper the third misses weight and is not eligible to, to get any points in his first matchup. And Maga Millions, Magomed Magomed Karamov, is out. Couldn't get a visa, apparently. Visa issues. So he's not able to compete. So the welterweight division is uh, pretty much wide open. you got Brett Cooper against uh, Rory McDonald. You've got Ray Cooper III against Leal. I think that's how it's pronounced. Let's see how it all goes. Of course, Kayla Harrison facing Marina Mokhnakina. You can see my interview with Kayla at tsn.ca slash UFC as well. A lot of good stuff going on in the world of mixed martial arts right now. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fiziev rebooked for July the 9th, the main event. Apparently a main event is being booked between Jamal Hill and uh, Tiago Santos as well. So lots going on right now in the world of mixed martial arts. Now, I'm a little bit short on time. Uh, I have to cover all kinds of different things here in Phoenix. So just checking in. Wanted to say hello. Uh, Also, a lot of cuts in the UFC. And I should mention this. I wrote a thread because I hate having to break these cuts without giving these fighters some love. And, and, you know, these guys are, are just names on a roster to some. But these guys have worked really hard to get to where they are in their career. And I think that we need to be a little bit more empathetic when it comes to these cuts. And instead of just saying, oh, this guy got cut, this guy got cut, which is something I'm guilty of doing. Believe me, you don't need to to tell me that that's something that I do, because it is. But the fighters that got removed from the the rankings pool, Luigi Vendramini, for SEM, Kazula Vargas, Mark Striegel, Jesse Strader, Bruno Souza, Devontae Smith, Rongju, Chris Moutinho, Austin Hubbard, Brandon Jenkins, Mike Grundy, Michael Gilmore, Cameron Else, Kevin Kroom, and Dean Barry. So if you go to my Twitter page, I did a little bit of a write-up on each of these guys. Just a, just a small note. It kind of tells a little bit of a story about them and, and what they're all about. Because I think that we often will commod- you know, commodify these fighters, and they're just like, this guy's a lightweight, and he's on the roster, and he fought this guy, oh, and he lost a couple times, and... He's not very good, and all this kind of stuff. It's nonsense. We need to acknowledge what it takes to get to the UFC and the sacrifices that a lot of these fighters have made in terms of their personal lives, families, in terms of their careers, what they could be doing. Otherwise, we need to be a little bit more careful when we're, we're talking about these, uh, these fighters because I think that they have earned that and they have earned our respect by making it to the biggest mixed martial arts promotion in the world. 
Let's get to the interviews that I conducted with some of the fighters on UFC 274. We'll start off with Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, Rosnami Yunus, Carla Esparza, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. Here are some of those interviews right now. And like I mentioned, go to tsn.ca for all of my coverage of UFC 274 on the ground here in Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks for tuning in. Here are those interviews, and we'll see you next week. We're going to recap UFC 274 myself, and Bazooka Joe Valtellini, I believe, is going to be joining me again next week. We had a couple of weeks where we haven't been able to check in with one another, so next week, hopefully we'll be able to give you a, a very in-depth recap of UFC 274, talk about any sort of news that comes out of the event or otherwise. But for now, here are those interviews that I just mentioned from the top athletes competing at UFC 274. He is the highlight, Justin Gaethje. He's taking on Charles Oliveira, another crack at the lightweight championship of the world. Do you have any different nerves this time around now that you've been in there fighting for a title before? No, no nerves. Uh, I didn't have nerves last time. I don't have nerves this time. It's a very interesting matchup because I feel like it's hard to prepare for Charles Oliveira and it's hard to prepare for for Justin Gaethje. So is your preparation mostly just trying to be the best Justin Gaethje you can possibly be on that night and not being too worried about what Charles is going to throw at you? Yeah, absolutely. But... I mean, I had to gain some confidence on the ground, you know, in certain positions, and I took the time, did what I could, you know, but ultimately I am who I am, and they can't take me down for the most part, so that's the plan, always. I've noticed you, you haven't taken anybody down in the UFC, you don't really try to do that, but you have that wrestling in your back pocket. Why Do you mostly just rely on it for defensive purposes uh, so you can keep it on the feet? I've never found myself in a position on the feet where I thought... I needed to take them down. Other than when I got rocked by Poirier, I probably should have tried it for a takedown. But, um, yeah, that was, you know, I was on Queer Street. Are you more and more impressed with Charles Oliveira as you watch him perform? What? No, that's a normal term. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, One more time. Are you more and more impressed with Charles Oliveira with each performance? It seems like the more people doubt him, the more he seems to rise to the occasion. I mean, without a doubt, the last two performances have been incredible. Um, And his whole journey is inspiring from day one. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you don't get to see someone come through adversity, overcome adversity, and prove a lot of people wrong. You know, nobody ever thought he would be here maybe two years ago, and he's done the, done the right things, and, yeah, he's full of confidence. I love it. It's very rare to see a fighter do that, where they, they falter on, on pretty frequent occasions and then just become so consistent. Like, what do you think it is that clicked I, for him? I think, I think the fact he came in at such a young age is a huge factor. You know, now he's a, he's a 32 years old. He's a man. I'm 33 years old. You know, I wouldn't have been able to. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been ready to go through what he did from 22 to 30. You know, and he did it. So yeah, that's why he faced that adversity. He fought some of the toughest guys in their prime. And yeah, you know, he was he was a kid then. You've got a great documentary that's out that really shows all the work that goes into your preparation. I would really recommend that people watch that because I don't think people quite grasp how much you guys go through to get to where you are. Yeah, I mean, you know, from the outside, it looks like we just work one day once or twice a year. But, you know, I did 14 weeks of work. Every week is the same. I create a schedule and I stick to a schedule. I do not cheat. And it's, uh, you know, it takes that to be confident to make that walk. If you don't make those choices, then you can't lie to yourself. And when it's time to make that walk, you know you didn't do the right things. And if you didn't, that's a scary place to be. Benil Dariush did an interview with Damon Martin, and he talked about training with you in the past. And how on occasion when you sparred with him, he, he said that it wasn't as hard as he thought it would be. But then he would come to learn that it's because you had been running mountains 
before you would spar with him and you would you would basically be running yourself through the ring or even before you spar rounds is that like part of what it takes to become an elite fighter is putting yourself in the most difficult of difficult circumstances in training absolutely i mean if you're in a room where you're the you're the best and you're kicking everybody's ass every day like how are you going to grow you know i need these guys to put me in bad situations and if they can't i need to put myself in bad situations um benny was the perfect guy he could put me in a bad situation you know, whenever he wanted in practice. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I got to prepare to be able to sprint for 25 minutes. These are 25 minute fights. Uh, the amount of cardio it takes to be ready for this is, is incredible. So, it takes a long time to get my heart ready for this. It's a, he said that the fight for you is a lot easier because once you get into the cage, you just have to worry about that, as opposed to all those other things that you used to do in sparring, you know, before sparring, yeah. after sparring, where you're really pushing yourself to the absolute. You know, the, the fullest boundaries that you can possibly get to. Is that true? Like, once you walk into the cage, does it almost feel like it's easy compared to what you've done beforehand? Yeah, I mean, so again, you just have to trust in the process, trust in the work. And if the work's been done, then you know. And ultimately, you can't ask more of yourself than to be your best, try your best, give max effort. And, you know, I control all those things. And I know that I, I'm a performer. I like to show off. And so, in this situation, uh, in the, under those lights, like, that's what I do. And I have no issue doing that. Uh, I do enjoy the week before, you know, one workout a day and really get the body to recover. And then, yeah, it's, you know, make weight, gain weight, and you're primed to go. You've talked about how in the past Charles has quit and that you feel like he still has a glimmer of that inside of him. What do you think is the difference? This is a weird question about yeah. it. I was thinking about it when no, you I mean, mentioned I've been it. saying a lot. I, I, I'm done talking about it. <laughs> no, I mean, but I've got, a better, I've got a question off of that. Okay. What, what's the difference between submitting during a fight and quitting during a fight? Do you feel like there's a difference between the two things? Uh, yeah, I certainly do. Well, I mean, certain. If uh, if you're in a choke, you know, when I was in the choke against Habib, I lifted him up, tried to land an elbow, to try to get him to maybe release the choke. And after that, you know, when uh, when you're gonna die, you know it. And I knew I was, you know, um, out of options. And so that's where I was at. Yeah. So it's a matter of willpower, really. It's yeah, like I mean, if, uh, if you're trapped, you're trapped. But if you but give up during a fight, the strikes like Joanna did to Rose. Like Charles did to Oliveira, or Charles did to Paul Felder, like those are different kinds of quitting, and that's what I'm talking about. But it really is so irrelevant. Like nothing from the from the past matters on Saturday night. Nothing from the future matters on Saturday night. It's 25 minutes in time, and I got to be perfect. You know, he's so good at getting to the positions that he wants to get to, and I got to make sure that that does not happen. And that's how I fight, and I got to make sure the fight goes like that. All right, well, then let's look to the very near future. It's this Saturday, the main event, yourself, Charles Oliveira, UFC 274, in your backyard here in Arizona. Yeah. Thanks for uh, doing this. Always appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Enjoy the show. Ocampio, Charles Oliveira. It's great to see you, sir. It's a fantastic match against Justin Gaethje. You know, you and Justin are my two favorite fighters to watch in terms of how you uh, participate in mixed martial arts, how opportunistic you are, how creative both of you are. Uh, I think that this is one of the most exciting fights that we could see in MMA. How do you prepare for somebody like Justin Gaethje and his particular fighting style, which is just so frenetic? Campeão Charles Oliveira, muito bom estar aqui com você. Você e o Justin Gaethje são os meus lutadores favoritos, porque você traz muita criatividade, muita guerra, vai sempre para frente, tem muita ação. Então eu acho muito bom assistir vocês dois lutarem. O que, que você espera dessa luta entre você e o Justin Gaethje, então? Com certeza vai ser uma grande guerra, são dois caras que andam para frente, dois caras que se movimentam bastante, né? Eu tenho certeza que a, o povo todo vai gostar de ver essa luta, pelo fato de ser dois caras que andam para frente o tempo inteiro. É, com certeza no final de tudo meu braço vai ser levantado como um campeão. 
uh, it's going to be a treat for everyone. Of course, he's a guy that comes forward, very skilled. I only move forward as well. So, of course, we're going to collide. The fans are in for a treat. But at the end of the day, I'm going to get my hand raised because I am the champion. Last time we spoke, you said you don't want to do the championship rounds ever. It's still the same? No rounds four, no rounds five? A última vez que a gente conversou, você não queria fazer cinco rounds mais, não. Gostaria de três. Não queria o round de quatro, não queria o round de cinco. Ainda você acredita nisso? Está preparado para cinco rounds e não faz diferença? Na realidade, eu treino para cinco rounds. Eu estou pronto para cinco rounds. Eu não quero deixar chegar lá. Eu não preciso deixar chegar lá. Eu nunca deixei chegar lá. Eu não vou deixar chegar. Eu vou terminar essa luta de novo. That is not actually the case. I always train for five rounds. I just don't want it to make it to five rounds. I want to make sure that I finish. I want to get in and get out. I don't get paid for time and staying there. So I want to get in, get my job done. I don't want to go to five rounds, but I always train four or five rounds. I just, my goal is to finish the opponent before the time. You still have the same house that you grow up, grew up in near the favela of Brazil. I saw on Countdown you were actually doing some renovations to it. Why do you want to keep that particular house? Is it important to you to, to have those same roots and to always remember where you came from? Você ainda fica, né? Você tem que comprar, você é dono dessa casa que você nasceu e foi criado, ele viu no, no, no programa do Countdown. Você fica ainda muito junto da, da sua família, do pessoal que você cresceu junto, fica com o pé no chão. É, por que, que você quis ficar com aquela casa e o que, que significa para você? A gente não pode esquecer das nossas origens, da onde a gente saiu, onde que a gente está e onde a gente chegar. Eu ainda permaneço no mesmo lugar, lógico, tem uma vida melhor, tem uma casa melhor, mas ainda permaneço no mesmo lugar e não onde que eu vou continuar. Mostrar para as pessoas que elas podem subir sem pisar em ninguém, crescer, evoluir. Esse, esse é o time. Essa é a cabeça. O campeão tem que ter essa cabeça. It's it's where I come from. I love to always always keep grounded and always I'll never forget where I came from. So I like to to my I like my community, and that's what sets me apart from everybody else. I'm a champion that climbed all the way up to the top and came from nothing, without ever having to step over anyone. That's what I want to be remembered by. So I don't remember. I stay grounded. I stay around my community. That's memories that I cherish forever. But that's what makes me different. I stay humble. I stay grounded, and I never forget where I came from. You talked about how sports really saved you growing up, that it was an important part of your life in terms of keeping you out of trouble. And you want to keep future uh, children that grow up in the favelas out of trouble by bringing sport to them. Is that, is that a big priority for you, is to, uh, after your career, make sure people have as much access to sport as possible? Você disse várias vezes que o esporte salvou sua vida. Lutas de chame, jogar esporte. Então é por isso que você sempre incentiva botar o pessoal da favela e os meninos a ajudar na sua organização, sempre entrar em esporte para não entrar em, em problema, não entrar em drogas, em coisas que você poderia ter se metido. Então você acha que o esporte é o caminho mesmo, por isso que você sempre é um advogado é, para suportar o esporte, ajudar na sua comunidade, na sua comunidade para poder os, os meninos todos fazer esporte para tirar do, do proporcionar uma vida melhor. Com certeza, eu vim no projeto social, eu sei o quanto que é importante o projeto social, eu sei o quanto é importante mostrar para as pessoas que elas podem viver do esporte, né? então isso aí é o que eu mais prego, isso aí é o que eu quero mostrar para as crianças, para os adultos, que eles podem fazer o esporte para assim se tornar alguém na vida. Of course, it's, this is my priority, definitely. I came from a social project. I came from being accepted in gym, so the sports changed my life. And my best way to do it is to pay it forward, is to create the same opportunity for the kids in my neighborhood, for the kids in my favela, to actually prove to them they can make a life with a sport, they can make a life being an athlete. And I'm, I'm living this by example. I came from nowhere, I believe in myself, I train hard, and here I am. I have a better house, I have a better life, but I stay grounded, I stay where I came from, and I want to pay, pay it forward, pay it forward to the kids and uh, give him the same opportunity that I had. I learned that there's another Dobronx, your younger brother, who's a flyweight. He's won five of his last six fights. Do you think we'll see him in the UFC one day? 
Tem outro do Bronx, né? Seu irmão, que vem ganhando luta aí. A gente tá esperando ver ele no UFC, brevemente? Bom, acho que esse é o foco de todo lutador, né? Acho que a gente tem que ter mentalidade e foco pra isso. Pra ter oportunidade, ele vem fazendo por isso, procurando oportunidade. Quem sabe logo, logo pode estar aqui também com a gente. Mas é um propósito que depende da gente, pretende o nome lá de cima. A gente tem que fazer por onde pra acontecer. E quem sabe um dia a gente pode estar aqui junto. Of course, the Everest Fighter's dream is to make it to make to the UFC. Uh, he's doing his work, like I did mine. He's working hard, waiting for the right opportunities. But like I say all the time, it's not always my time. I believe in God, it's God's timing. So if he keeps working hard and doing what he's supposed to do, eventually it'll be great to have both of us here fighting the UFC. You're the champion. You swing a pretty big stick. Let's get him on the contender series. Você é o campeão. Você pode puxar umas cordas da galera e botar ele na pelo menos no contender para entrar, né? Acho que você tem pode puxar. A galera fez aqui a gente dentro dessa força. Se pudesse, já tinha um time gigantesco aqui. A gente faz, a gente trabalha, a gente faz por onde. A gente sempre tenta colocar alguém, meus empresários sempre tentam colocar alguém. Mas vai ser meio complicado. Mas uma hora isso acontece, uma hora vai acontecer. A gente já conseguiu colocar um, a gente já colocar outro e assim por diante. Of course, you guys always think we have the kind of power, but uh, we don't. You know, we try many times to put a fighter here, fighter there. Uh, the UFC make their choices, make their picks, um, and that's it. Like, which is, sometimes you get lucky, we get a fighter in, a fighter out, but it's uh, it's like I said, it's he's got to do his work to earn his spot here, just like I did. Religion has played such an important part in your life. Um, you're a very religious person. When you were seven and you were a child, the, the doctor said that you would have to have a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Your parents refused to accept that, and of course, now you're the world champion. Um, You also had a, a man who was an uncle, kind of like an uncle to you, bring you and your brother to jiu-jitsu class, uh, who unfortunately is no longer with us. He was uh, tragically killed. Do you feel like he's watching over you and, and that it was all part of the, the reason for you to get into the sport and, and that he was kind of the helping hand that you needed to get there? Você sempre fala muito de Deus. É muito bom ver vocês, muito religiosos. Você dá toda a glória a Deus. Você foi nascido com sete anos, falaram que você não ia jogar esporte, que ficaram cadeira de roda. Você acha que tudo isso foi influência de Deus? Também você tem um tio que, que ele ajudou, que ajudou a você, que, que lhe mostrou o caminho certo. Você acha que ele está no céu olhando de volta para você e orgulhoso do trabalho que você fez? Com certeza, toda honra toda glória tem que dar ao homem lá de cima, a Deus. Se não fosse ele, nada seria possível. Deus é, Deus é tremendo na minha vida. Eu creio que sou iluminado, eu creio que eu sou escolhido sabe para iluminar caminhos para mostrar para as pessoas que eles podem também para poder mostrar que Deus está voltando e com certeza meu tio Paulo está lá de cima olhando e feliz com tudo que a gente plantou e vem colhendo hoje é, são coisas que são gratificantes são são coisas que me deixa bem as pessoas que chegam perto de mim sentem essa hora sentem quanto que eu sou importante sentem realmente que eu sou um campeão não um campeão só por lutar não um campeão do mundo, campeão do povo, campeão que vem falando coisas boas e crescendo coisas boas, subindo sem pisar em ninguém, sem ficar falando besteira né, um campeão de verdade Obviamente, God is everything to me I put God first, I always have, my family has uh, I believe everything is, is through him I don't have any powers, everything is on his time and yes, yes I, I had many adversities I have to fight through but I'm here and I'm proving and also 100% believe that my uncle is up there looking down so proud of the work that I've done the work that we've done together what are we creating together as a team my association my team um, you know the, the paying forward to the kids that I'm doing I'm sure he's very proud but like I said I'm just an object I'm going to pay it forward my goal here is to make everybody uh, understand that they can do it on their own they can build their dreams on their own they can live their dreams on their own but all glory to God if it wasn't for him like I said there was, I wouldn't be here Early in your career, you had a lot of wins, losses, wins, losses, but of course, you have such great consistency right now. 
Is there one thing that you can point to that really helped turn your career around and gave you that kind of consistency? No começo da sua carreira, teve uma época que é vitória ou derrota, é vitória e derrota. Mas ultimamente tive uma sequência de vitórias impressionantes. O que foi na sua carreira, qual onde que você mudou, que deu essa reviravolta completa, que você vai ganhando de todo mundo agora e não tem mais derrota? Cara, na carreira a gente tem que aprender, vencer, perder, faz parte. Mas eu acho que a chave mudou quando minha filha nasceu. Eu quis trazer algo novo, eu quis dar algo novo para ela, proporcionar algo novo. Querer vencer, evoluir, ganhar dinheiro para poder mostrar algo novo para ela. Então eu acho que a chave foi quando minha filha nasceu, que a gente começou a emplacar essa sequência de 10 vitórias seguidas e vamos fazer história, vamos emplacar mais e mais e mais. In a fighter's life, of course, we deal with wins, we deal with losses, it's, it's how it goes, you know, but the turning point, really, I flipped the switch when my daughter was born. And I realized that everything changed in my mind. I, uh, I had to fight for something better and bigger than myself. I had to, to give to her. I promised myself to give her a good life, a good, nice life, and uh, uh, give to her, be able to give to her things I didn't have. So when that flipped the switch, I really was fighting for something a lot bigger than myself. I was fighting for my daughter now. And when she was born, uh, everything changed to me. I had an extra motivation. That's when the streak started, and they won't stop. I'm just starting. I'm building my legacy, and I'm, I'm here to stay and be a champion. Well, George, thank you for your spirited translation. Charles, obrigado. Best of luck against Justin Gaethje on Saturday. Pleased to be joined by Thug Rose Nama Yunus, who's got a big bout ahead of her this coming weekend. This is, uh, I explained this to Carla. I think this is like the season finale of the strawweight division. It feels like a story. Yeah. You guys fought the first time. She ended up being victorious that time. You ended up having a great run. Now a two-time champion, and now she's made it back to where this whole thing started. That's a, I mean, it's a pretty cool when you think about it. No, oh, it's, it's definitely probably one of the best stories, I think, in uh, in the division. It is the story in the division, so it's uh, anybody watching is, on, is along for a great ride. Absolutely. And I realized this week, had you won that fight, you would have been the youngest strawweight champion, well, sorry, the youngest champion in UFC history. Yeah, period. So that, uh, that would have definitely been a different I guess path and journey in my life so I'm really uh, grateful for all the experiences because I'm way more mature now and I know how to handle it a lot better. I learned from watching Countdown that you guys thought it would almost be a walk in the park that first fight you were so confident yeah. going into <laughs> it um, do you feel like that was the wrong approach do you feel like you had too much confidence going into that one? 100% because it really wasn't based on anything you know it was just based on my abilities and what I've done in the past instead of like looking at my preparation and actually preparing for the fight so um and I, I was prepared I, I did the best that I could as far as what I knew back then but um looking back in hindsight yeah I mean I definitely was just kind of going off of my previous accomplishments as opposed to like being present and like no Carla is like her experience I kind of just I didn't really care about like how much experience anybody else had because no matter what I was always fighting people that were more experienced than me so I didn't uh I definitely overlooked her. Back then you were known more for your submissions. You had that crazy flying armbar early on in your career. Mm -hmm. Where would you say your striking was at? Like if you're striking right now, is that a nine or a ten or however you assess it to be? Where was it in that fight? Where was my striking? Like if you were to then? rank it. Um, I think like just my raw talent and abilities, like yeah, it was probably the best I think you could it it was uh you know, I think um amazing, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of doing all the great things, but not really uh, knowing why this works or like just pure instinct, you know. 
you have a music background, and I saw Trevor Whitman break down a fight, and he talks about patterns and how a lot of fights are about patterns. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that to me? Um, I think so, yeah. It's like uh, you, you in a fight, it's really hard to do something that you've never done before, so you always like kind of train uh, to, to um, the, the more reps that you have in of doing like one particular thing. Um, you're kind of going to like circle back to – those patterns because um, you know that it works but the more predictable your patterns are um, it, it, it uh, somebody can somebody can you know uh, I guess counter you on that so it's just a matter of like picking the right patterns like always adding new patterns to your to your repertoire um, yeah I don't know it's yeah there's I don't know <laughs> well he notices it with opponents yeah. when he's breaking down the opponents yeah. tapes okay and what kind of stuff does he pick up on I mean, I don't know as far as, like, I just listen to what Trevor tells me. I don't know what it is that he's watching or what, you know, he doesn't tell me, like, oh, I see when this person does it. I mean, there are certain things that, like, I guess little details and stuff, but uh, um, I guess it's just different with every fight, and um, I just kind of do what he tells me to do. When Carla walks to the cage, he's very calm, and I know Pat mentioned during the countdown show, he was like, we, we've got this. She looks scared walking to the cage. Um, yeah. <laughs> when you see her walk to the cage with that kind of a calm, what, what, what do you think of? What did you think of when you saw her that first time? Yeah, she's just really in control of herself and her emotions, so like whatever's going on around her, she's really like um, internalizing that and just like controlling what she can control, so not letting like whatever the noise and stuff really like move her, and so that's really what she's good at. Um, but also, it kind of adds to the element of like I guess people overlooking her and like, um, you know, not to say she's playing possum or anything, but I mean it definitely like makes you want to like like try to knock her out or you know punch her because she you think she's she's like kind of it looks it looks very unassuming i mentioned the submission game you haven't had a sub in some time do you mm -hmm. think about this at all do you think this is how i want to finish the fighters just like whatever comes comes whatever comes comes man i have like my my uh my scale of like goals like I, my ultimate goal is to dominate in this fight and really set myself apart from the rest of the division as a champion but uh and and just make it to where like just really just set the bar really high and then um but from there it's like i'm gonna take whatever i can get as far as just getting the win or like ultimately protecting myself at all times and making sure that i come out unscathed charles Oliveira's on this card i feel like you would have an appreciation for how opportunistic he is yeah. do you do you think we've seen any fighter like that and do you hope to be more like that being able to find those opportunities where you can just be so offensive like he is and get finishes in the same kind of manner? Um, I think I've actually been super offensive my whole career. I've, it's always, um, I've always been very offensive mindset. So that's why I am a huge fan of his because, um, yeah, he has, he's definitely, you know, had way more time than me in the cage, but, and uh, a way longer resume. But as far as like that style, I definitely relate to it a lot. And, um, but I, I've worked on actually pulling it back and trying to be more tactical and more, um, or I guess more uh, uh, mixing in the defense in, in between my offense and kind of breaking it up as opposed to just like being a tornado of like offense. And this particular fight, if you beat Carlos Barzo, you'll have beaten every former champion in the history of the strawweight division. What's next after this? Uh, you know, you have to have that goal in mind and, and your, your reason for doing this. And you had mentioned that you discovered what that reason was in recent years. Mm -hmm. What exactly is it? 
Um, yeah, to just keep making, like, kind of leaving the world a little bit better than where I, when I came into it and trying to just, like, um, try to have as many positive experiences and interactions with the people that are around me and um, try to just leave, you know, as much inspiration as possible and then kind of gather up all of the, I guess, all of that, um, you know, work and stuff that I've, like, all the the rewards and reap all the benefits of all of that eventually and be able to you know uh integrate uh like my earthship kind of ideas and stuff into martial arts and and that's that's for post fighting but like for right now it's just about doing my best and whatever inspiration people can take from that uh i'm like really grateful for all that it makes it makes all the all the sacrifice like worth it and after your career, you want to channel that same energy into doing good. What do you have in mind? Is there anything, do you think about that beyond your fight career? Yeah, I mean, I, I keep saying it. I keep, you know, talking about uh, doing Earthship MMA Academy. So it's just a matter of uh, finding the right people in order to help me achieve those dreams. Do you think that the best martial artist is a, is a creative one? It seems like you've got a real background in terms of create, uh, creative endeavors. You're mm -hmm. into a lot of different things that I think are synchronous with MMA that a lot of people don't really think are. Uh, yeah, I mean, in order to be an MMA fighter, you got to be well-rounded. So I feel like, uh, it's, it's also very like martial arts mentality to be well-rounded in life. And, uh, I have many different interests and, um, I think that's what, what makes me so successful at MMA is that the fact that I, you know, I have, I kind of get bored easily. So MMA is great because there's always something to do and there's always something to work on. So I'm really just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right, I really appreciate your time. Uh, yeah. Best of luck on Saturday. It's the uh, the last one on your title bucket list is uh, Carla Esparza, the last former champion. Yeah. So best yeah. of luck to you on that. Thank you so much. I'm now joined by Carla Esparza, who will look to regain the Women's Strawweight Championship of the world. You're the first ever champion. You know, it's weird. This feels to me like a season finale. Like it, the, <laughs> there's a story here that starts with you and Rose. You get the win. Rose kind of has a comeback of sorts and, you know, bounces back, becomes the champion, two-time champion. And now you're right back to square one. It's like full circle. Most definitely. It's it's such a cool story, like, that's played out over all these years since we started on The Ultimate Fighter and then, you know, me winning and then just everything that's happened in between. Like you said, she won, she won, she's won it twice since. So I think um, it's an exciting story I'm really excited to be a part of. Well, before we started, you were talking about your experiences coming to Canada and wrestling, and those are, of course, your roots. But I saw Colin Oyama, your coach, talk about how he brought you in because you were at a bar. I mean, you're five foot two, so I'm sure people think they can mess with you, and you dump someone on their head, and the rest is history. Tell me that story. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> no one's ever asked me this story before. <laughs> but um, so, like, long story short, um, we were in the line for a bathroom with my girlfriends, and... I wasn't using the restroom, so I kind of walked away and I came back and um, just to kind of like hang out with them and um, in the line and uh, some girl was just like, hey, like get out of, you know, get out of line or something like and I was like, no, like it's okay. And she just kind of like kept coming at me and I was like, I turned around and be like, no, like I'm no, I'm like not in line. And she like threw a purple drink at me. I think I was wearing like all white and then she came after me and then we just start like scrapping and um you know i think i was taking cardio kickboxing with coach <laughs> at the timer in his class and then you know this girl's like i ended up grabbing her and i think doing like the cardio kickboxing move and start throwing knees and then the bouncer comes and breaks us up and 
I'm just like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And the bouncer ends up like, I think kicking this girl out. And then he's like, oh my gosh. She's like, good thing. Like I stopped it because she, she need me in the, in the leg. And that was like really hurt. And I was like, oh, that was actually me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how it all started. I always wonder how many of these situations take place with like flyweights that are just out of the bar, you know, trying to enjoy a night. People look at them, they think they're, you know, they're five foot three, whatever way, 140 pounds, walk around weight. And they you get into these skirmishes with people that are trained, you know, with, with massive martial arts training and bite off a little more than they can chew. Yeah, most definitely. I think especially with, you know, being a female and, and fighting wasn't big at the time and being kind of like little, it's you're kind of more unassuming so you know people think that they can kind of like bully you and just like oh you know move over little <laughs> little woman and you know it's it's unfortunate that sometimes people get a rude awakening well that was kind of the sentiment going into your first fight with rose pat berry said he saw you walk to the cage and thought that you looked scared because you're so calm and they thought that it was going to be an easy night so tell me a little bit about why you have that level of calm when you walk to the cage for a, a fight so I think for me, it's, you know, um, it's not necessarily like just being scared. It's just like this total like hyper focus, tuning everything out. I'm just almost like blank mode and um, just like so focused on the fight. And like, you know, there's like the crowd and there's so many distractions. I've just like really try to stay focused. Absolutely. What's going through your mind at the time? I think through my mind, I just maybe I'm repeating certain things that I want to do in the fight or I'm just kind of like not thinking of really anything. I'm just kind of like waiting for that bell, bing, and then it's like go time. A lot of fighters talk about how it's kind of like an out-of-body experience, like you're in there, but you're kind of not in there. You're kind of, you do this so often that it almost becomes muscle memory. Yeah, I know. It's so crazy. I think a lot of people, you know, for, including myself, like actually forgets what happens in the fight. And then after, you know, like your coaches or whoever are telling you like oh when you did this and you did that I'm like I did like wow you know it's like you almost have to watch the fight again to like know what happened how do you think this version of Carlos Esparza fares against this version of Rosnami Yunus what are the big differences from the first fight I think the big differences are that Rose and I are just kind of better versions of who we were back then you know she was you know like a very went for a lot of submissions like you know, was getting a lot of submissions on the Ultimate Fighter um, and, you know, very accurate with her strikes at the time. But now she's, like, you know, knocking all these people out. So she's just more accurate and better. And I think for me, like, you know, my wrestling, my grappling is better, my striking. Like, I'm just better all over, and I'm better at setting up, you know, what I want to do. So, you know, and obviously my last fight I got, like, a big, a big finish on the ground. So I think that that really, you know, highlighted – you know what I've been working on. Like Cookie Monster's hungry for cookies, you were hungry for finish. You were talking about that <laughs> leading up to that fight and even the fights before it. How satisfying was that? Um, it was super satisfying in so many ways, you know, to really solidify that, hey, like, I'm here to say I'm here for that, you know, that title shot. So it was definitely a really big win for me. I think at the time, afterwards, everybody said, it's got to be Carlo next, it's got to be Carlo next. And it's, it's taken this amount of time for you to get the shot. W was there a time where you'd given up hope that you were going to get the title shot? You know, I just kind of left it up to, you know, to the universe. Like, you know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I'm here to fight, and I love fighting. And obviously, I felt that I deserved that title shot next, and I wanted it. But at the end of the day, like, it was out of my control. I did everything I could to push it. But, you know, it was just kind of like, we'll just see, we'll just see how it plays out and just go from there. Do you follow your accolades in the UFC? There are a bunch of records that you're going to be at the top of the strawweight division for 
after this weekend if you get a win you'll be tied with Joanna for most wins in strawweight history you need about 30 seconds of control time to have the all-time control time record in the strawweight division so do, do you keep track of this kind of thing um I mean, uh, there's like a couple of sites that post the stats and I'm always like, oh, that is so cool. Like, I definitely enjoy seeing the stats of, you know, accomplishments that I've done this far. I know I for sure have the most takedowns of all the women's divisions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a good one for me. But um, yeah, anytime you're you're making new records, I feel, I feel like you're adding to your legacy. So if you do get the win on Saturday, I should say when you get the win, because you, that's out of your mind. Yeah. I know fighters <laughs> like to hear that when you get the win. What's going to be going through your mind in comparison to the first time? Do you, do you feel like it's going to be more satisfying getting it this time around because of all the work that you've done since then? It's it's so hard to compare the two. You know, um, the first one, it was like women weren't even, or straw weights especially, my division, and barely there was only one division in the UFC for women. It was like we were making history. We had went through the Ultimate Fighter, and that was such, a intense, such an intense experience. Um, and this one will be like, so many like highs and lows and building my way back up to this point so it will be satisfying in like a whole different way you're getting married next weekend i'm sure that if this fight was happening you'd be very worried about that you'd be thinking a lot about that is it nice to have this fight to take your mind off of that <laughs> you know it's funny i feel like both of these things kind of take my mind off of the other like they're both highly stressful situations um but you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm super excited for both. So it's just, just going to be, like, an awesome week. Yeah, I imagine that right now it's like this is, this is the peak of your life. You've got so much going on right now. Did you think about that as well, about just the, the enormity of all of the things that is going on in, in your life right now? I, I definitely think about it. It's, like, it's so exciting. I'm like, oh, there's a wedding and a honeymoon and the, obviously, like, this huge fight, which I've been building up my whole pretty much my life for. So... It's definitely like probably the biggest month of my life, and it's exciting. How's sleep been? Are you able to fall asleep at night without having all these <laughs> thoughts racing through your mind? You know, I actually usually have been sleeping relatively well, you know, especially like there's this weird sense of like calm, like, okay, like everything is kind of taken care of. Like I've done all the work for the wedding. That's all planned. I've done all the work for the fight. That's all set. So at the end of the day, like there's – everything's out of my control at this point like I just gotta like show up and fight my fight so to answer your question yeah yes I have been sleeping pretty well I'm sure you're tired about talking about the fight talking about the wedding let's let these things happen let you enjoy your life really appreciate <laughs> this Carla and best of luck on Saturday cool thank you so much Michael Chandler's back in action for the UFC, and they're not giving you any favors in terms of your opponents here, but that's the way you like it right you like having the tough opponents that is exactly what I asked for I sat down with Hunter Campbell back in August of 2020 and uh said, hey, man, I want to come in and be a good thing for your organization, and I want to fight the toughest guys right away. And we asked for Ferguson first, and then Poirier, both of those guys turned it down. Dan Hooker was the, the guy who said yes, and then there, all the rest is history. Well, it's a unique skill set with all of these guys. Yep. You look at Dan Hooker, a little bit more methodical, but not averse to getting into a brawl. Charles Oliveira, crazy jigsaw puzzle to figure out. Uh, of course, your last fight against Justin Gaethje, you kind of know what you're going into in terms of warfare. Yeah. And now with Tony Ferguson, what's your mindset going into that, and how does it differ from those three opponents? Yeah, I mean, I, I no matter every single opponent in, in my past is completely different, but they're all very similar in so many different ways. When you talk about Tony Ferguson, there's less similarities. There's, there's less uh, There's less habits and certain things that he does because every single fight, is different. We get a new Tony Ferguson. He's off the wall, creative, 
a little bit unorthodox, a little bit crazy. So um, it's hard. It's a hard guy to prepare for. Uh, there's nobody at my gym in Sa at Sanford MMA that can truly emulate Tony Ferguson. So we just focus 90% on me, myself. How do I get better? How do I create more skills? How do I fight a guy who we know is you know about that six foot range, a little bit long, longer than me? Um, get in, throw punches and munches, and get in his face. And um, I believe we got a game plan to go out there and, and win. I saw Kamaru was doing his best to emulate Tony. <laughs> yeah, throwing Imanari rolls at you. That was funny. Yeah, I mean, I, he was getting some crap for it too because they were really bad looking Imanari rolls. They were. He was basically just rolling around on the ground. So we were kind of just playing around, but it kind of looked on embedded like he was actually trying to do it. So sorry, Kamaru, that you got <laughs> got a bad look there. But um, man, we were just having fun, and, and who wouldn't want to continue to spend time? Even though Kamaru is not with our team anymore, he still comes in and trains with us because he's still one of our brothers. He's still Henry Hoof's uh, student. And who wouldn't want to be around the pound for pound best guy in the world? So, and he's doing it with one hand right now, I guess. Yep, he's. Uh, I think he's. Did he have to get surgery? Or he had surgery. Already got surgery. So yeah, I mean, he's uh, only got one glove on, but you know, he's. I think he's on the mend pretty uh, pretty soon. He'll be back. Your last opponent, Justin Gaethje, he's in action in the main event against another previous opponent of yours, Charles Oliveira. He said yesterday at media day he thought that your fight was boring with him, and obviously, it being fight of the year, almost on a consensus basis in 2021. Most people would beg to differ. Yeah, no, and to uh, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And when he is so used to being a hammer and so used to being the guy in the driver's seat, so used to being the guy inflicting damage, I think in that fight, um, I mean, you, he could say it was one-sided. He can say it wasn't as close as, as people thought. I, I, will give, I will give him that because that's his opinion. But to say the fight was boring might be indicative of, of him – thinking that he had somewhat of a subpar performance he also said that you know he it was the first time in his career that he didn't he was focused more on winning than actually knocking somebody out or hurting somebody so i think i think we i think he realized pretty quickly that he met his match you know whenever justin gagey one of the greatest lines too when justin gagey came into ufc ufc he said show me my equal and it looked like there wasn't an equal for the guy who is as savage as justin gagey i think justin gagey met his equal at madison square garden back back in november is he the toughest opponent to prepare for mentally? Um, for me, no. Honestly, I'm not worried about a guy being tough. I'm not worried about about, about a guy being, you know, good cardio. Um, the, my only fears in this sport are getting caught, you know, with a, a punch that you don't see coming, or getting caught in a weird transition, slick slick submission that um, that all of a sudden your lights go out or you have to end up tapping and the fight's over and you got yourself in a position that you really wish you wouldn't have but that's why we love this sport that's why you love it that's why i love it that's why the fans love it anything can happen in any moment and it doesn't matter if you're a thousand one underdog or a thousand one favorite anyone can go out so um justin gets wasn't hard to prepare for because uh, although he is extremely skilled he is he is very basic which i love about that I think I, that's what I, which I love about him, and that's what I love about Trevor Whitman. That's what I love about Henry Hoof. That's why they're some of the best coaches in the, on the planet. It's not because they're showing us this off-the-wall, revolutionary, flashy stuff. Basics win. Be brilliant with the basics, and you'll be a, be a successful fighter. I wanted to congratulate you on the growth of your family over the last couple of weeks. Thank you. Now, I think a lot of people don't really know how the adoption process works. If your wife is pregnant, you know to prepare eight, nine months. Yeah. That's when I can work around my fight schedule with adoption. Sometimes they will call you and say, we have a child. If you're interested mm -hmm. in adopting a child at this juncture, we have one that is available to be yeah. adopted. Is that how it worked out, that basically you, you took this fight, you didn't realize that this was going to be happening at this time? Um, so, yeah, well, actually when I took – when I 
took this fight we we were already in the process we were already in in relation um with the birth mom and um so we already knew the timing was different we thought the timing was a little bit different than than it actually ended up being which obviously threw a wrinkle into you know my training camp which you know he, he was born two weeks two and a half weeks before this fight this week mm -hmm. so um you know you want to hear god laugh tell him your plans you know he'll always exceed your expectations and 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 throw things at you that you can definitely handle, but it's going to take some navigating. And we navigated it. We crushed it. My, my amazing wife has been home with, uh, with my son, Hap, who is five. My son, Ace, who is 15 days old, you know, trying to be a single mother while I'm out here pursuing this thing. And I can't wait to get my hand raised on Saturday night get home to two baby boys and my beautiful wife you mentioned yesterday it's tough to get into dad mode when you're so yeah. fixated on an opponent you said that sounds bad but i i completely see where you're coming from you know carla sparza is getting married in a week mm -hmm. and she has to get out of bride mode even though her marriage is like i mean the biggest day of her life potentially yeah. i don't know if she would consider it that is a week ahead of her yeah i mean that must be difficult for you to remain focused during this week yeah it is because you know i, I really do see myself as as two different people when it comes to the fighter michael and then the father and the husband, you know, the, the family man. Um, obviously, we all wear a bunch of different hats, you know, um, businessman and and mentor to people. But um, I have to be selfish in order to be selfless. You know, if, if I'm not selfish right now, if I don't do every single thing that I possibly can to make sure on Saturday night I know whether I win or I lose, even if I lose, as long as I know I did my best to put myself in that position to win then i can sleep at night i can go home and be selfless and be the servant leader to my family that my sons need and that my wife needs um if i have a if i make too many sacrifices for being a father if i make too many sacrifices in business or in these other areas i'm not going to be fulfilled win lose or draw with the outcome on saturday night if that makes sense so um have to compartmentalize it and the beautiful thing is my son hap will be here and whenever he sees what his daddy does why i'm gone why i have to leave him and the family for certain seasons for short periods of time and he'll know i made the sacrifices to come home and see them often um but he's a five-year-old young man he needs he needs his dad around so i'm excited to get my hand raised on saturday and get home and be daddy now you say you're here for a good time not a long time you fought three times last year are you looking to tone it down a little bit this year now that you do have a, a new son in your family? You know, my wife and I, uh, who is, I, I just can't say enough about her. She, once again, she puts, you know, my calling over our comfort often um, because I do only have a short window of opportunity in this sport of mixed martial arts, and it will end eventually. So we talked about this year being the year of yes. Seems like last year was the year of yes as well, but, you know, this year being the year of yes. So, I mean, if an opportunity presents itself that makes a lot of sense, um, I'll definitely jump on it. I probably see myself fighting maybe one more time this year. Um, but if uh, an opportunity, turn, quick turnaround happens with a big fight, with a big name on a big week, we'll see. You say you're here for a good time, not a long time. Now, if you, I, I asked you that in your la the last question, another pickup. Yeah. <laughs> if you end up walking away from the sport, having never been the UFC lightweight champion, do you feel like you've already accomplished a lot? Are you playing with house money right now? I really am. You know, it, it depends on what your what your goals are and what fulfills you. Obviously, you know, I, I would never make excuses for not reaching a goal or definitely not mediocrity. I never make excuses for those things. I never make excuses for 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 losing fights. Um, but I think 
the gold is is so important to me it really really is that's that's what i set out to do when i started this sport in 2009 but i can t truly tell you i feel fulfilled i think either way you know the things that that don't tarnish the things that last a lifetime are sitting at home in nashville tennessee and and I get to enjoy them every single day for the rest of my life. And I've made some very good business decisions. I've made some very good investments. I have extremely um, high levels of relationship capital around me, great people around me who are, who are gonna usher me into even more significance, probably more significance outside of fighting than, than I had while I, was, while I was a fighter. So I'm, I'm fulfilled, I'm excited, I am ready to, uh, to take on those next challenges, but I'm still extremely focused right now on I'm becoming a champion, and I do think there's a path. I think there's not a there's not an MMA fighter or MMA fan on the planet that wouldn't want to see me rematch Charles Oliveira if he's victorious, or Justin Gaethje if he's victorious, especially Justin Gaethje in a five round title fight to replay uh, number two, the second fight of the fight of the year in 2021. That's a fan. That's a promoter's dream. That's a fan's dream. So either one of those guys who win on Saturday night could be my next opponent, and I'll be sitting there cage side watching. I've got a good venture idea for you, okay. a, a direct trade coffee roastery. I mean, I know you talked about this online. <laughs> I'm a big this coffee week. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm not a brick and mortar guy. We'll see. I, I, I definitely don't need to. Uh, well, I guess you said direct trade coffee, just yeah, just, direct just trade. selling coffee, no, just well, slinging you, you, coffee you, beans. Well, direct trade is you you talk to the people that grow the beans. You're in conversation with them in how it's grown and how they operate. There you you, you import the beans, you roast them here, and then you, you sell them. I like that, man. There there needs to be some more. It needs to be more good coffee shops out there coffee coffee bean company so maybe we'll see all right sir well it's always a pleasure speaking with you uh big challenge of course tony ferguson this weekend and i uh, look forward to continuing your you know watching your fantastic fights in this promotion thank you i appreciate it cinco de mayo with el Kukui, and we've got some new information that you told me about the river city ransom video game for nintendo they did a reboot and they put you in the game Absolutely, man. The creators were nice enough. I hit them up, and they made a character. They made sure they were throwing elbows. And you asked me uh, if I knew the Contra code when I came in. How'd that come up? The Konami code. That's up, the up, Konami down, code. down, left, mm -hmm. right, left, right, ABA, or BABA, -B -A. select, select, start. Select, start. There you go. I appreciate you. And That's you know what? I feel like we don't have enough appreciation for Tony Ferguson. You've been out of the spotlight for about a year. And, you know, a lot of people try to emulate Conor McGregor, but nobody can try to emulate Tony Ferguson. There's only one of you, and I feel like when your career's over, we're going to have realized that we should have appreciated you more. I know, man. I'm, I'm running out of goofy shit to say. <laughs> I mean, stuff to say. I'm, I'm working on my, on my swearing here. My, my, my kid's swear jar is filled up, man, but his college education is paid for, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, he must appreciate you for that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's going to still work. <laughs> so you're back in action, Michael Chandler, this weekend. Uh, what do you think of Michael as a fighter from watching his first three fights in the UFC? Uh... You know, like his thing is walk-on, right? And uh, it's not easy to walk onto a college campus team and then be able to, you know, hang in there and then go through all the ra uh, all, all the stuff that you have to do. So I give him credit for that, to be able to keep that and hone that in and, uh, you know, bring that into his camp. Uh, I believe he brought in Kamaru Usman for his camp uh, or whoever else. I don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a, a terrific team that I put together that I've been working for with a couple of years, and uh, the chemistry really fits. And uh, we're coming out with some good products, man. Yesterday we had good good burnout and uh, i'm really pleased with it because uh they're, they're pushing me to to get those synapses going man to make sure that everything's firing at 100 percent. he actually didn't bring uzman he told me this earlier because i asked him the same question mm -hmm. because uzman was i guess unembedded trying to emulate you mm -hmm. and apparently everybody was hitting kamaru up telling him that his imanari roles weren't any good well i mean he needs work but it's okay <laughs> i'm not going to go and help him obviously uh, i did knock everybody out at 170 pounds uh, so when I dropped down to 155 pounds, I kind of lost a little bit of that, a little bit of that, uh, what do you call it, I want to say power, 
but more focused on losing the weight and not towards the strength and conditioning. But I went back and I hit my agent up. I told him, I was like, hey, I think I, think I did it right. I did the math right. And I, uh, I think I can do this and put on some more muscle weight and then lose, lose, you know, get more cut and be able to not have to worry about that much weight gain. And uh, I went back to the books. I did the math, and uh, I put some uh, I put some schoolwork into it. And I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased the way that everything is, man. So it doesn't matter who that they have in their camp. Uh, I believe my camp's better. Team El Cucuy. And a lot of what you've been doing is going back to your roots. You've got Coach Mills back with you, and it looks like you kind of stripped things down a little bit mm -hmm. and tried to go back to almost a white belt mentality going into this fight. It's kind of like going with the Konami code. You don't really need the 30 lives, but it's nice to have it right there, right? <laughs> You know, uh, you know, Joey, Joey Coco Diaz, right? He has this one saying, he's like, I'm uh, part of my language. He's like, you don't need a whole bunch of people around you. You just need three bad mother <laughs> around you. And uh, I got that. I got my corners and I got my agents with me and we're here to do damage, man, which is cool. And we're going to, we're going to make sure we put on a great show for all you uh, folks over at UFC 274. Make sure you're buying the pay-per-view. Don't stream that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said you'll, you'll come get them. You will, they'll see a knock at the door. They'll do it. <laughs> Well, with this particular fight, again, you haven't been in the spotlight for the last year, but what's a day in the life of Tony Ferguson been like this past year compared to previous years? What's very changed? Very structured. Very, very structured. Uh, as far as my diet, and my diet is one of the things that uh, I wasn't paying attention to. I was taking for granted. Uh, I was going out there and then just kind of just randomly thinking that this was, was good stuff for me, but I had to go and I had to do the math, man. Um, you're talking about my newborn, you know, he, he was taking his formula, and I was just like, you know, I had to start thinking about how many scoops of protein I was taking a day, and how many, how many types of oranges, and how many types of bananas and apples, and all, all these different types of things, to, and then my breads, and then, you know, the food pyramid. You had to go back to the very basics to where I had to go. Uh, one of my coaches used to teach health, same thing, so it, it kind of reflected back on like what I had to do to be able to make myself feel stronger and better, and then be able to translate that into the practice room having the energy and having the will and the want, the want to be able to be in that training room. Um, it's been cool, a lot of testing times, but I'm gonna be real, the testing times have been like right after practice and going right into strength and conditioning. I would take five minutes, I would allow myself to breathe, take my shakes, get some food at me, get some chow, which was cool. My, my coaches always brought me snacks, they always had them send me messages, being like, hey, make sure you're eating, make sure you're snacking, make sure you're stretching, make sure you're doing all these things. And it's always good to have somebody right there on your shoulder being able to remind you what you got to do. So this is your second child that you had? I forgot that you had a newborn. Yep, Angel Anthony was cool. Armand Anthony and Angel Anthony. So, yep. so you and Michael Chandler have that in common. Michael Chandler's got a 15-day-old at home That's right cool, now. man. I'm going to be real. That's, that's props. That's why I say, you know, I say a prayer for both of us. You know, we're going to go inside that cage the same when we walk out. But my hand's going to be raised in victory. You've never really had any real animosity towards any of your opponents. Absolutely not, uh, except for a couple, you know what I mean? But uh, we don't have to go back and talk about that. Uh, I think moving forward and being able to uh, grow up and be able to say, I had a couple of things to say in my interviews the other day, but I vented. I mean, really, uh, it's not just for me that I speak up for, which is pretty cool. I got a lot of people, we were at a boxing gym the other day, and it was actually the most coolest thing to see the, the tradition that was around there. And I put myself in that position because I needed, I wanted to feel that aura again, that, that, that grit, that tenacity, that, that, that want to be able to do this stuff again. And for a while there, I didn't have fun with this. It was kind of like I was just doing this. It was like a forcing myself to do this. And I, I started to enjoy it again. And then being around and seeing my coaches interact with a lot of these students that were there. And they're boxing. And they're teaching, my, my coaches are teaching them Muay Thai. They're talking about jiu-jitsu. They're talking about wrestling. And, and they know that these kids are like underprivileged. And they know that they're, they're, they're there. And I, you know, I'm changing in, in the locker room. And I hear another adult, uh, I forget his name, Junior talking to another kid and this kid's saying he has a hard time focusing in school his friends are trying to make him go and fight other people 
and just because he goes to the boxing gym and I heard it and the guy was giving him really good advice and he's like you know do what you're doing kid and it kind of reminded me when I went in the ultimate fighter house and it was kind of really nice to hear you know it's like just focus on what you're doing don't worry about what everybody else is doing focus on your studies kid says I have a hard time focusing on my studies and so like he gave him some really good I'm not going to say his advice but he gave him some really good advice and I walked out and I was like hey listen to this guy he knows what he's talking about and the kid looked at me and he looked at the guy and the guy <laughs> looked at me and I was like hey guys <laughs> and so it was cool. I took a picture with them afterwards, and we all kind of said our buys afterwards. And, but it was the coolest vibe I could have got, and I needed that. It was really cool to remind myself of why I do this stuff. I don't know if you'll answer this question for me, and I'm sure that the answer would be different today than it was back then, but what was the strategy when you were going to face Khabib, the fight curse that's likely never going to happen? I'm just curious what you were planning on doing in that fight. I had heard that you were going to kind of embrace the takedowns and work from bottom. Was that what the, the plan was going to be? I invested a lot into being the best me. And then when I did that in the pandemic hit, it kind of went like just a, like, you know, you have this big fire, you know, fire, you know, uh, firework that you're, you're trying to like just boom safe for the entertainment and you're doing that and you light it and then you go, nothing. You spend all this time and all this money and all this energy trying to make something grand and then it just went to kaput. So, I mean, I think it took me a little bit of time to be able to focus, realign myself and to be able to readjust and to get back into where I needed to be. But the best me would have been inside there, but the best me is gonna be inside the octagon coming this Saturday at UFC 274 at the Footprint Center. You probably invested so much time though in that fight. It was probably your, your focus for such a long time that it was hard for you to, to move on to a new focus. Am I right about that? I think getting the belt. The belt and then just, uh, you know what I mean? It was kind of like that, that, that commercial. It's like, you can't, you know, I forget what commercial is. It's an insurance commercial where he's fishing and he's kind of just teasing the person the whole entire time. It felt like that for a while. Kind of felt like I was unwanted for a minute. But I've been there before where I haven't been wanted, and I had to realize that I don't need that attention. And if I don't need that attention, I'm not looking for it. And if I'm not looking for that type of attention, I'm not going to feel so bad. So I had to surround myself around things that I felt good around, which was my family. I mean, being real, faith, family, and friends is what really gets me through a lot of things. Um, if you guys can see in my fights, you know, it's always uh, I'm going to wear my emotions on my sleeve inside there. And I'm very lyrical when it comes to fighting, and that's how I, I feel every single time I step inside that octagon. And uh, I'm going to do that this Saturday, and I feel really, really good, man. I got a good playlist. Lyrical when it comes to fighting. Elaborate. Uh, just movement. You can feel what I'm. You can feel how I'm thinking or what I'm moving inside that octagon. You know what I mean? If I want to get hit, and I want people to see how tough I am, or to see how tough the human race is, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to demonstrate that. During the pandemic, we had to do that. I had to do that. I'd never been put in a position to go out there. It's not called saving the world, but it's going called stepping up for the world. You know, and I had Dana, you know, hitting me up, and then he, the president was hitting him up and uh, relaying messages, and we're trying to figure out a location. There went like four or five locations the other day, you know, thinking about that. Somebody reminded me, and I forgot about how much effort and work went into that. And it wasn't just one person. It was a whole bunch of people. And there's a lot of people behind the scenes that, that aren't said, you know, see, you know, seen here that don't get enough credit. Um, so that was what I was fighting for on that one. You know what I mean? Uh, I was taking chances against Oliveira. I didn't really you know, do jiu-jitsu. I was just doing these things because I wanted to stay active uh, in the active in the professional community. And I'm glad I did. I took the chances. I've got losses, but I really didn't consider those losses. I was taking opportunities to be able to make sure that I knew during the hard times I had to pay for my family. I had to pay for different things and to save and to make sure that I was taking these steps. Because if I didn't, how else was I going to support myself? This fight game is not easy, and we don't get paid hourly. So you have to be able to plan ahead accordingly, and that's what I did. And I took some chances, and 
even Bitcoin's got a bubble. Do you think that, that was the most special night of your career, the fight against Justin Gaethje, because of the reason where you had to go to Jackson? I'm sure you would have rather been a touchy palace near you, but to, to be the, the focus of the sporting world for one night, that was almost like the Super Bowl because all the other sports had shut down. I had to find myself to kind of like not like the guy. You know, and there was a thing where it was just kind of like just putting negative energy into it. And it was really hard to find a, a fight an opponent when we're all supposed to be brought together. You know, this is a time in the, in the age where we're all supposed to have brotherhood and, and not be so cold towards each other. And I understand that. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm just a messenger, but I'm here to actually, you know, make a difference a little bit here. Just just enough, just to plant those seeds enough so that way they grow into big fruit, big big trees later on, you know, that they'll give shade to people later on and they can, they, they, can, they can bear fruit from them later on. This is because I've had other people do that for me. And anytime I've ever made a, met a baseball player or a professional athlete, I've never had a bad instance where I've met a bad, uh, uh, a bad vibe off a professional athlete. And that's what I don't want to do. I don't want to, you know, when I shake somebody's hand and I talk to them for a second, that goes far, man. Because even if you know, don't know if they had a bad day or a good day, you know, let's just say they had a good day and then boom, you did that. And then all of a sudden they turn out to be like, you know, like one of the world's greatest. And it's all because they remember that one little detail that you learned from one of your mentors. And I have many, many mentors, man. I've been very blessed to be able to have a lot of people give me the opportunity. It's because I work hard and I don't quit. Um, and like I said, come Saturday night, it's going to be very fun. I'm excited to be able to go in there and uh, go in there relaxed and smiling. We're always excited to watch you fight. Like I mentioned, we're going to miss you when you're gone. But let's savor and cherish Tony Ferguson while we have him. I ain't fight. going nowhere, baby. I'm still <laughs> here, and I'm not going anywhere. You can follow me on my way at Tony Ferguson XT <laughs> on that IG and that little Twitter thingy, too. When you are done fighting, do you think you're going to disappear, though? Do you, like, do you expect not. to do any no, media? No, 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 absolutely not. You know what I mean? If I want to disappear, I will. That's it. I always do that. And the only reason is because I put myself so far out there in the value that nobody would happen. It's kind of like, you know, I use this analogy. I put my hands together, and there's nothing in here. And everybody's like, why are you smiling all the time, Tony? And there's a core at me. I'm still smiling. For years this happened. They're like, what's so special about you? What do you have in your hand? What, do you, what, what is going on? What's so special? I'm just sitting here smiling. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting ripped and tattered and torn. I got everything, and I'm so you know, jaded from everybody pulling at me. And they finally get me to open up my hands, and I'm still smiling. And all of a sudden, they realize that there's nothing in there. And they're like, well, why were you smiling? It's because I had nothing in here, and you guys didn't know that. It's because the special thing that I had in here was in here. And every single time I did that, They were happy what they saw. They were just like, <laughs> and they walked away. Once I started realizing that quick hits and, and thanks for social media and, and how a lot of things were, I switched it. Put up a facade for a very long time. This is me right here. I'm an actor. I'm an entertainer. I go in there and I do my best. But what I like to do is I like to paint that picture. And uh, like I said, I'm not going anywhere. You know, you guys want to see the real me? Hello. Always appreciate you, Tony. Thanks for doing this. Best of luck on Saturday against Michael Chandler. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.